it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back once again to another edition of Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is the show where each and every single week, I focus on exposing injustice in this nation's criminal justice system. And by the title of today's episode, you probably know that today we're going to be talking about guns. We're going to be talking about the Second Amendment. We're going to be talking about self-defense, concealed carry, all that good stuff, guys. And with what's happening in the news today, with what's happening in in the uh, political conversation today, with what's happening with the President of the United States in this day and age, who is a Republican, who is supposedly pro-Second Amendment, pro-gun rights, coming out and saying some things that, quite frankly, are pretty scary and uh, pretty anti-gun. So I wanted to take the opportunity to bring on a very, very respected expert in uh, firearms training and gun rights, knows the issue inside and out. I'm going to introduce my guest in just a minute, but I wanted to let you guys know because we probably have some new listeners out there today. I'm assuming, you know, I know this always happens whenever we have a show focused on the Second Amendment, focused on firearms, we always get uh, this show shared with more of a conservative audience. Obviously, this is mostly a libertarian show, but of course, we welcome people of all ideologies. So conservatives, welcome. Uh, you know, if we have any other, if we have some liberals out there listening, some leftists out there listening, welcome as well. We welcome you to the conversation. And I just want to encourage you guys to check out, if you haven't yet, to check out our Monday show. We have three different shows on Lions of Liberty every single week. Every Monday, we kick off the week with a show hosted by Mark Clare, where Mark interviews leaders in the libertarian movement. He also hosts roundtable discussions, and we're going to have one of those roundtable discussions this upcoming Monday. It's a show we have around here called Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. We welcomed our good friend Roger Paxton on the show from the Lava Flow, and we had a great time with Roger. Uh, As you can tell by the way I'm talking about it, it's already been recorded by the time I'm recording this intro. So check that out for sure. And every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams. Brian has been crushing it with that show, so be sure to check it out. It's your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, and get all three of these shows in your podcast feed by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever the heck you get your podcasts these days. I don't even know. You know, I normally listen on iTunes, but my iPhone 
updated recently, and I hate the new app, so I'm looking for a new app. So anyone out there who has a good podcasting app, uh, give me a shout. Give me a, You can uh, send me an email to felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com. And uh, let me know. Let me know what I should be using because I'm not liking the new iTunes app. This is the 114th episode of Felony Friday, guys. We're going to talk about a lot of different stuff with, with my guest today. So be sure to check out the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com slash FF114. One more quick note before we get started. I want to tell you guys quickly about the sponsor for today's show. And there might be someone listening out there today or maybe you know someone Maybe you have a friend who could potentially be going to prison, who is dealing, is facing a case, maybe facing some prison time. And facing a federal case, it's so stressful. And to be faced with that, confronting a situation that's totally unfamiliar and confusing, you need help with that, guys. And your lawyer helps you out with the legal aspect. That's great. But you need more help than that. You need to talk to my friend, Dan Wise. Also known on YouTube, he has a great YouTube channel, RDAP Dan. Him and his team of specialists, they're going to help you fight for your freedom. And they're going to help you to do some things that, that can actually reduce your sentence. They're going to help you qualify for sentence reduction programs. They're going to help you avoid common mistakes that can zap your chances of getting out earlier, your chances of early release. And they're going to help you keep a handle on anxiety, stress, and all that stuff. All these thoughts racing in your mind. They're going to help you take a deep breath let you know everything is under control and get you through this process. You or you know someone you know, you can pass this on. It's a free consultation. You can get a free consultation with Dan and his team by visiting lionsofliberty.com slash RDAP. You can fill out a little quick little form there, your email and your name. Bam, goes right to Dan Wise. We'll get you booked for an appointment. That's lionsofliberty.com slash RDAP. My guest today on Felony Friday is Salvatore De Janeiro. He is a firearms instructor, an International Defense Pistol Association shooter, and a lifelong practitioner of the concealed carry lifestyle. He strives to serve as a conduit of reliable information to the masses of new shooters entering the fold. He is a uh, contributing author for USA Carry, Concealed Nation, Self-Defense RX, The Truth About Guns, and of course, he has his own blog, Reflex Handgun. Salvatore is an active defender of the Second Amendment, and his political writing has been published in a variety of news outlets uh, across the media spectrum. Salvatore, welcome to Felony Friday. John, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I, I listen to Felony Friday, so it's uh, very, very cool to be here. I love the show. I listen to all your episodes, all of the lines of Liberty episodes, actually, all, all of the different shows. So very nice to be here. That's that's awesome, man. Honored to have you as a listener. And, uh, you know, it's always great to have on people who are familiar with the show. And just to let you know, as we talked about in our pre-show chat, I did put out in our Facebook forum, I let everyone know that I was having you on. And I got a lot of great questions, uh, questions about firearms, about home defense, things like that. And I want answers, uh, ask you them, ask you as many of them as possible, but we're going to hold that until the end. So uh, if you ask some questions, you know, don't, don't drop off, listen till the end and, and we'll get to those questions. We'll probably record a bonus segment as well. But first to get things rolling, you know, obviously you're, you're really dedicating your life here to firearms. Um, there's got to be a good reason for that. So I'm curious what got you interested? What got you motivated to uh, really pursue a career in being a firearms instructor and writing about it and all that good stuff? 
Certainly. So I, I grew up shooting, which is very common when, when it comes to the topic of guns. People's background has a lot to do with it. And it's actually in the last couple of decades, we're seeing more and more people coming into the fold of the firearms community who did not necessarily grow up with that. So historically, people who grew up in rural areas, guns and shooting was a part of their life. People who grew up in the cities maybe never had that opportunity. It's only recently we're seeing a lot more crossover. So I grew up with a father, actually, who was a firearms instructor as part of his work. So I grew up with that, and I've been an avid shooter my entire life. But it was basically within the past decade that I've become motivated to offer training and also do all of this writing on firearm-specific topics because I relocated to a large suburban area myself. And at that point, I started doing most of my own training at indoor gun ranges. And it was really the first time I was exposed to see what the general public does with guns as far as the way they train. And um, I thought to myself, well, I, I think I should do my best to contribute to educating the greater community to the best of my ability. So that's really what, what brought me to this point now. And uh, as far as the political component with Second Amendment, I tell everybody who is uh, avid about firearms that we, we fight two fights. Okay, you might prepare for the fight you may one day face defensively to be able to protect yourself. But we also fight for our, our political ideals and our values that our values of personal liberty and freedom that there's a, a, a big faction in this country that want to trample on that. So we fight two fights, and I like to stay at the forefront fighting both of those fights. So what is the best way, in your opinion, to uh, – the best way to contribute support? Is it different organizations to fight that political fight? Is it you know joining the NRA or Gun Owners of America, obviously voting for politicians who, are, who will defend mm -hmm. the Second Amendment? But in your mind, is there, is there a best way to do that? Yeah, there is. So first of all – Joining the NRA and the Gun Owners of America is really what you should be doing. Now, there's a lot of debate. Oh, the NRA doesn't stand for everything, I think. And, um, you know, they're too weak on, on this or maybe too strong on this. It, it's kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. So the NRA is, is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. That's the organization that has the power. So honestly, they do a lot of things that I don't completely agree with, but that is our strongest political machine. So absolutely, if you're serious about preserving the Second Amendment and you don't join the NRA, honestly, in my opinion, that's being irresponsible. You don't have to agree with everything they stand for, and I understand that, but join the NRA and also join the Gun Owners of America. The Gun Owners of America are actually a lot less compromising on a lot of things. That's a great organization. It's grown dramatically in the past several years, so they're up to about one and a half million members. At some point, I'd love to see the NRA and the GOA having at least 10 million members each. So that's kind of the goal. So join those two excellent organizations. Also, in your individual state, join the state-level organizations. For example, here in Virginia, we have the uh, Virginia Citizens Defense League, which is a phenomenally effective organization. A lot of your listeners may be familiar with them because they're the ones that Katie Couric tried to um, 
demeaned them in an interview she had with that program she had, and they absolutely dragged her through the coals with that. So very effective state-level organization. Look into those as well. So that's my first suggestion. NRA, Gun Owners of America, and certainly join any good grassroots state organizations that you have available. And then on a personal level, the best thing that you can do to preserve the Second Amendment is take somebody shooting who's never shot before. And if you get somebody who's willing to do that, you take them and they have a very safe and very fun experience, you will be surprised how dramatically a lot of people's politics will change just based on that experience. I think that's all outstanding advice, especially that last point. And that's something that I didn't really think about until recently. And I saw some of my friends on Facebook offering, after getting in uh, debates or arguments on Facebook with people on the left about gun control, they would then offer to uh, you know take them shooting. You know, let's do you know anything about guns? Has anyone ever showed you how to how to use a gun? And I'm I'm hoping these people on the left uh, will will take them up on it. I'm starting to do the same thing with uh, some progressive liberal friends that I have. It's just I mean when you see the arguments that people on the left, people in favor of gun control make, it is so abundantly clear that they have, most of the time, they have no idea what they're talking about. So at the very least, at least you're helping to educate them so they can at least, uh, you know, have a uh, worthwhile conversation. Because at this point, really, a lot of people on the left, I think they're not contributing to the conversation in any way, because a lot of the stuff they say just just is not factual. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And, you know, when we refer to the left, One thing I tell people is as far as the political discussion, for example, when I teach people how to shoot, I never discuss politics at all because the right and the ability to defend yourself uh, should span the entire spectrum of political leanings. But when we talk when we talk about the left, one thing I want to tell people is, you know, I have nothing against Democrats. I have nothing against Republicans. Uh, I tend to be very libertarian myself. But the thing about it is there's a whole gamut of the left. So what you will find is if you get the average Democrat, okay, many, many Democrats are pro-gun, okay, but the majority, they are the the party, the political party that toes the anti-gun line. So though with the spectrum of Democrats, when we talk about a leftist, the average Democrat is not necessarily an extreme leftist, and they might be a person who's just ignorant about guns. So if you can have an educated conversation with them and you share the facts of the matter, that's an individual that may come around. They might not go out and join the NRA, but they're going to come around and they're going to be better educated uh, about, about it. You know, when, when the left talks about, oh, we need to ban the AR-15, right? Public enemy number one. Okay, we're referring to a single rifle in the whole class of rifles, which are used in less than 300 homicides a year. And we're calling that public enemy number one, right? Just total ignorance. So you have those people who they are preyed upon for the ignorance. So they're ignorant about it and educating them to help them. But I can tell you that the people on the far left, where this attack really comes from, I've gotten to the point where I don't even bother trying to talk to them because they are immune to facts. They have an agenda. They don't care about facts. They want to push their disarmament agenda and your time is better served talking to those people who want to be reasonable about it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, time is our greatest resource. We only have limited amount of time. And why waste time? You know, it's not good to just throw your time away on people who are not going to change their mind and people who are not open-minded. 
So I, I do want to get to talking a little bit more about this national gun dialogue that's going on right now. Before we do that, uh, there's a story I heard about you uh, relating to when you were much younger with regard to Y2K and the really the uh, you know paranoia and, and everything leading up to that and how that affected the, uh, the gun scene, the firearm scene. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Y2K is interesting because in my lifetime, I was already an adult. So let's see, Y2K, I was 20 years old. So I was an adult, but a young adult. And things in the past 18 years have changed dramatically in the firearms community. And Y2K was actually one of the first influential reasons for that. So what happened in Y2K was it was the first time a lot of people thought to themselves, hey, we might face something where the government is not going to be able to control the situation. Now, it turns out nothing came of it. But I lived in a rural area at the time, okay, and my family was uh, prepared for, hey, if bad things happen, you know, we're prepared for the grid going down, for resources not being available. We were even prepared to cut down trees to block our driveway in case looting starts, right? And none of that stuff turned out. So now on the heels of Y2K, we have um, September 11th, of course, happens uh, uh, almost two years, two years afterwards. And, of course, that's a big change as well. And all of that leads up to one of the biggest changes, which would have been Hurricane Katrina. So why I point to events like that, and the first one in my lifetime that I can think of being Y2K, which I, I found very interesting, was over the past couple of decades, more and more people have come to the conclusion that the government cannot be there to protect you all of the time. And it's funny we're having this discussion right now in the wake of four sheriff deputies not going in to stop a massacre that just happened, right? Mm -hmm. So the government won't protect you. You're on your own. You have to protect yourself. And these events that have happened are the biggest drivers to get people to go out and buy firearms. After, during Y2K, before it, there was an uptick, okay? Nothing compared to, obviously, in the wake of Sandy Hook, uh, but in the wake of other things like Hurricane Katrina and these other events, there is a massive uptick of people arming themselves for the first time. And it is because that mindset changes. The government cannot or simply will choose not to be there for you. You are on your own. And your best bet in that case is to be armed and be capable. 100% agree with you there. And when you're talking about the recent shooting, uh, the four sheriff's deputies who stood outside, failures really across the board. I mean, there were, what, 30-some or close to 40 uh, visits the uh, police department there made to the suspect's home. And uh, the FBI was even tipped off at one point to this guy, this uh, kid, saying that he was going to uh, become a school shooter. So in your opinion, and, you know, with, with using this most recent tragic event, um, you know, as, as sort of uh, the, the freshest thing in our mind to talk through, what is the solution to school shootings, to gun violence in schools? Right. So as far as a solution, first of all, I think the difference between us, and when I refer to us, I refer to basically everybody who's not a radical leftist. So the difference between us and the radical left is that we accept reality for what it is. And part of reality is we live in a dangerous world that we will never be able to entirely mitigate danger and violence. 
something's always going to slip through. Now, with that said, if we look at ways to lower, drastically mitigate these kind of attacks, the solution as the years go by, as I see more of this happen, to me becomes more clear that the only way to drastically lower this is we have to make it so that society in general and all the locations in society become unfeasible for these kind of people to go and wreak havoc. And how we do that is by having armed people in any given place that are ready to shoot evil in the face. And that is the solution. And this now, this is why this debate has become a cultural war, because basically you have two Americas. You have one America that believes in our American heritage and ideals, which is individual responsibility. And you have a newly emerged America that, that abhors individual responsibility. They, they hate it. They do not want to be responsible for anything, let alone defending themselves. So this idea that we can ban certain firearms or even ban all, all firearms, and that is somehow going to disarm people who are willing to do things like this is so ludicrous when we live in a country that has more guns in circulation than people, more guns than people. The estimates are 300 million something. Those are on the low side. Okay. Those are the ones everybody agrees to. I've heard estimates up to 600 million in circulation. So if you tell me that some law you're going to pass that's going to ban certain types of firearms is going to stop this from happening, I want to sell you Brooklyn Bridge. You know, it, it's that simple. So what is a much more feasible solution, I'm all for keeping guns, legal guns at least, out of the hands of people who are um, determined through due process, though, determined to be insane, that's fine. Or, you know, violent felons, that's fine. But even that, I don't put any stock in because it's not going to do anything. How many of these shooters were, you know, should have been flagged, but were not? This most recent one, an example of that. Because as soon as you throw the human element into it, mistakes are going to be made. Okay, so this idea that you're going to keep weaponry out of the hands of evildoers is outrageous. And even if you could, then they'll get a box truck and run 90 people over. Or they'll uh, come in with a pressure cooker and blow up a school or some other public place. Why does it matter? So the, real, the thing that really mitigates this is the perception among these sickos that anywhere I go, somebody who's not in uniform that I can't identify is liable to shoot me in the face. That's going to be the greatest de uh, deterrent to, that, to this whole syndrome. So would you be in favor of, of teachers being armed? Or are you just really saying just, just anyone, either if it's guard or teachers, just, just leave uh, it up any, to the anybody, individual school? Anybody who's, anybody who's staff who then will go through specific training. And there's all kinds of great training available for that. Start with those who already have concealed carry permits. You know, um, you start there. And certainly anybody, though, who's willing to do it and volunteer for that, they can go through specific training and pass, a, pass uh, qualifications that are, are reasonable, you know, not some ridiculous qualification, qualifications that are reasonable. Um, you know, because the argument that, oh, if you allow guns in the schools, then it's going to be a bloodbath. Oh, yeah. So let's just keep doing what we're doing now. So that never happens. Right. 
this right. teacher who, who just a few days ago, some uh, lunatic of a teacher went in and capped off a shot right in the school. Mm-hmm. And all the leftists are saying, oh, see, this proves why we can't allow guns in schools. And my response is, oh, yeah, so let's keep doing what we're doing, because currently he was not allowed to bring that gun in there. And it really stopped him, didn't it? Exactly. So, it, it, yeah, it, exactly. Proves, it proves so, it doesn't work. Um, and, and the problem is that's when we deal with the two Americas that I just referred to, because to each side, that proves exactly what we think to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So to them, that proves because in their mind, a sign that has the weight of state authority somehow is like a magic talisman that's going to, you know, turn evil away at the front door. So. You know, this, this idea that keep, keep schools a gun-free zone, uh, the, a, a lot of leftists have this idea that it's blood in the streets. You know, of course, we have 16 million carry permits in the nation now, and we've not seen any of this blood in the streets materialize. Okay, we do see a lot of bad guys get shot, right? But we've not seen blood in the streets otherwise. They have an idea that if people are just carrying a gun, all of a sudden they're going to snap and go psycho. And we know that doesn't happen because every one of these mass shootings, it's a pre-planned thing for months, if not years, there's planning that goes into it. So the teacher is a perfect example. So the argument that, oh, you know, uh, don't allow guns into schools. Well, what if that teacher, instead of just being a lunatic who came in and barricaded himself in and shot out the window, what if he decided he wanted to come in and kill a bunch of kids? The best deterrence to that and the best way to stop it, if there was other colleagues of his armed in the school who would be there to stop it when it happens. 100% agree. And I think that we are really fighting an uphill battle educating people to this fact. Um, just, for, just for example, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. That's a free plug, Joe. Have me on your show. But, you know, and Joe's generally pretty good. For the most part, he's sort of leans libertarian. Some parts where he's way off and, you know, he sounds like a socialist. Mm-hmm. He, he had a recent episode, I think it was with one of his comedian friends, maybe Greg Fitzsimmons or someone, and they were talking about the same thing we're talking about here. And Joe brought up that I, I have this friend that he, he conceal carries everywhere, and he says it like it's some crazy thing that somebody would feel the need to conceal carry. When, when in fact, I mean, we need more people that are willing to do that and have you know gone through the training and... Uh, safety classes to understand to do that in an effective way. But, you know, I think the Joe Rogan, the reason he's so successful is because he can relate to so many people. So my concern there is I think a lot of people, even people who are pro-Second Amendment, you know, maybe they're, you know, libertarian or or vote vote, uh, conservative. I think a lot of those people on that side are also a little uneasy about concealed carry. So what can we do to, to change that? Well, ultimately, we have to understand that even in a society that becomes more gun-friendly, there's always going to be a rather small segment of the society willing to take on the responsibility themselves to go armed. So that's not really going to change. You know, the the statistics now are actually quite staggering. You're talking about 16 million people with a permit. You know, that's a significant... um, you know, percentage of the society that already has taken that step. So as far as the average public, there is that tendency towards apprehension. So really one of the best ways to educate people with that is point to the statistics. Now, the average person with a concealed carry permit, they are vetted, there's background checks done on them, and they are per capita, the most law abiding people 
in this country. In fact, uh, one one study showed that uh, the average law enforcement officer commits seven times more crime than the average concealed carry permit. You know, so Mm -hmm. this idea that because people are carrying a particular object, you know, it turns into the Wild West, which that whole comparison is interesting because actually violent crime in the Wild West was actually quite low. (laughs) You know, we always talk about the Wild West because we're used to the Westerns, you know, the OK Corral and stuff. Um, But, you know, this idea that if everybody's armed, it's going to be blood in the streets is just not the case. And we have now 20 some years proving that as every year hundreds of thousands of more people are getting carry permits and carrying guns. Hey guys, let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor for today's show. Of course, today's show is sponsored by RDAP Dan, Prison Consultants. And as I've documented many times on this show, sometimes, in fact, often, most of the time, even good people go to prison. And facing a federal case is an extremely stressful time. If you're facing this reality, then you need to contact Dan Wise, also known as RDAP Dan. RDAP Dan on YouTube. He has a great YouTube channel. Check that out. Dan and his team of prison consultants, I promise you, they will reduce your stress levels immediately upon speaking with them. You can call Dan and his team at any time. He will give you and your loved ones open access to support and answers. Now, Dan and his team will assist you with the following aspects of the process. Narrative letters to the judge, character reference letters, RDAP qualifications, prison designation, online reputation management, mindset coaching, and additional halfway house time. Don't sleep on this one, guys. You can find out more and schedule a free consultation with Dan and his team by visiting lionsofliberty.com slash RDAP. That's lionsofliberty.com slash R-D-A-P. And also on that page, I will have links And one of Dan's YouTube videos on that page, you can check it out. Dan has an outstanding YouTube channel with tons of information on the prison system. So I really encourage you to check that out. Right on. I I wanted to ask you about, I want to get these listener questions in a minute here. Before I do that, um, there's a recent article that I read that you wrote, and it was titled uh, something similar to um, Why Gun Control is Actually a War on Women. Uh, can you go into that and explain, you know, how gun control, how uh, keeping firearms away from women, you know, is actually hurting their cause, their, their cause for uh, for equality? Certainly. You know, if, if you look at the whole feminist movement now, it's so obvious that the far left has completely hijacked that movement. I remember when there was the big woman's march. And, and, you know, I don't get down on feminists. There are a lot of things they might march for that I actually agree with, you know, but these totally leftist off the wall things are ridiculous. One of which is I remember when that first march happened, uh, I, I think it was CNN wrote a ridiculous article about these are the things that you should put on your sign. These are the things that you ladies should stand for. And like, there's all these like, relatively legitimate things on there and then just off the wall there's and we stand for gun control just thrown in there mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, if that doesn't suggest there's an agenda there I, I don't know what does so the idea especially for a female which by the way now for the past 10 years um uh, women have been the largest uh, the fastest growing segment of concealed carry okay and for good reason so the idea that the female is more safe in an environment where nobody is allowed to legally carry firearms is so preposterous it's unbelievable because the average female physically 
is in danger of the average male because he has more upper body strength. Now, I know the leftists go crazy about that, right? Because they they think we're all the same. There's no difference. It's gender fluidity. Yeah, 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 that's right. Biology is offensive, right? Facts are offensive. So, okay, but for those of us who live in reality, okay, fact is average male has 60% more upper body strength than average female. He's got the body strength in all the places that make him specifically dangerous to her. His arms, his shoulders, his hands. And this idea that women are safer because everybody is unarmed is preposterous. Because if there's one group, one demographic who is certainly not any safer, it's that. So women who take their own personal security seriously arm themselves. And in that article you mentioned, one example I use is Washington, D.C., a leftist run city, right? They vote 80 percent leftist. They not only forbid firearms, they forbid pepper spray. So if you're a woman walking the streets of D.C., which is every year one of the worst crime cities in the country, mm-hmm. um, you're not even allowed to carry pepper spray. So let that sink in for a minute. That's that's crazy. So that is – are you still – you're like currently today in D.C., a woman is it's not allowed to carry pepper spray? If, if you have pepper spray on you, it's a felony offense. Wow. That, I'm, so speech, I'm speechless. I yeah, well, that's what they want. So that's what um, that's what uh, the leftists want. Again, remember, I don't criticize Democrats, Republicans. They're all across the board. I, I like the term leftist when we refer to this kind of absurd um, obstruction to civil and personal liberties because, you know, other terms, obviously, just blaming Democrats for all this is not really the case. Right. That, mm-hmm. That's the party that is most controlled by the leftist movement. OK, but that's not really the case. Also, even the term liberal, I don't like that term necessarily, because if we think of classical liberalism. I mean, that's what really um, libertarianism is based on. Exactly. Right. So that that term is not really accurate. Even progressivism is not necessarily ac- accurate because now that is very leftist progressivism. But, you know, um, Theodore Roosevelt was our first real progressive. Right. So leftist this is this referring to people on the political spectrum who they hate individual responsibility for anything in their lives whether it's economic things or certainly defending themselves so when we see cities that are extremely leftist in their politics we see these egregious assaults on personal liberty and that is a perfect example of it imagine not allowing women to carry pepper spray on some of the most dangerous streets in America. So let me ask you a question because I did <clears throat> I posted uh, that you were coming on the show in the forum, and I did get uh, questions uh, or interest from a number of women who asked uh, for advice on you know a, as a woman what gun to to carry either as concealed carry or for home defense. So is there a uh, you know when you're doing your firearms training when, when you're working with with a woman is there a gun that you recommend or a couple different options? For a a woman to carry that's not going to have a you know crazy amount of kick. Uh, one of our uh, mm-hmm. listeners mentioned on the page that they currently they have a small nine uh, millimeter uh, Smith and Wesson handgun, but it's really rough with uh, with recoil. So, is there anything that you recommend? Yeah. So you know the the firearms community has been doing a great job of co- uh, accommodating even those things. For example, you mentioned the recoil even with a small nine millimeter. They are now making a number of models that are that same size, so very small, but not the uber small pocket pistols, but they're making 
guns that are essentially the same size as the very small nine millimeters, but chambered in 380, which is a less, less powerful cartridge. So, you know, as far as which cartridge to use, you know, people argue about that all of the time. Nine millimeter has really become the baseline go-to cartridge and for law enforcement, et cetera, because with modern ammunition, it's much more effective than it used to be. And then it offers a lot of advantages over the larger calibers like 45 ACP, et cetera. So if you run into the issue, you know, maybe have a small frame female who, who even nine millimeter is uncomfortable. I would suggest looking at some of the models that are that same size. They're still very small, easy to carry. They're not so teeny that they're hard to shoot, but they're that size that are chambered in 380, which is a much more mild cartridge. I know that the Smith & Wesson, uh, I think they just released the Shield model chambered in 380, and that is one of the best-selling guns in the past several years. I mean, that is consistently one of the top-selling concealed carry guns. So you can look into that, and as far as, you know, if you go and listen to the gun shop commandos who will tell you, oh, that doesn't have good stopping power and whatever, time and time again, when it comes to an armed citizen defending themselves, what happens is when the gun is produced – the criminal suddenly remembers that they're late for a different appointment. Okay, so the idea they, they came there for an easy victim not to get punched full of holes. So the bottom line is a 380, if that's what you're comfortable with, is far, far superior a defensive weapon for you than a big service size pistol chambered in 45 ACP. Okay, it will do the job for just about anything uh, a female will, will face. You know, and one thing with women. If you look at the nature of crimes against women, they're crimes of opportunity, okay, or most often perpetuated against them by men who automatically presume that they have a tremendous physical advantage over the female, okay? So again, that small, little, uh, easy-to-shoot, easy-to-use handgun, when that comes out, wow, it's a game-changer. So that would be my advice. If you have trouble with the recoil, look into one of the... Um, regular sized handguns that is chambered in 380. And why I say regular size is if you go with the really small pocket pistol handguns chambered in 380, they're so small that even though it's only 380, we're again back to the recoil thing. Okay, they're very hard to shoot. So look at something the size of the Smith and Wesson Shield. Uh, I believe they make the Ruger uh, LC380, which is the size of the 9mm version, LC9. They make the LC380. That's probably a good option as well. Going to be a very easy gun to shoot, and trust me, it'll get the job done. That's, that's sound advice, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people very happy. Uh, in fact, there was one lady who said she's, she's going out to buy a gun in the next couple of weeks, so was grateful uh, for this opportunity. And let's, let's keep, keep going down this path. Um, when we talk about home defense, you'll get all kinds of different opinions on the best thing for home defense. Some people will say it's a pistol. Some it's a home defense shotgun. Some people want to have an AR-15. You know, mm -hmm. is, it, is it really just preference, what you're comfortable with? Or in your opinion, is there something that is, that is more effective? It, it is preference. So the handgun has significant advantages there because the handgun, you can move with it through the house. And... If we consider the whole gamut of home defense, which may be, you know, six uh, drug kingpins kicking in your door, okay, that's a great time to be barricaded in a safe room with an AR-15. But it's not always like that. It might be a knock at the door at 2 a.m., and you need to go answer that door. 
And you want to be carrying an AR-15 if who's at the door happens to be the police saying, hey, there's something going on in the neighborhood. Is everything okay, et cetera, right? So the, the handgun, in my opinion, and this is not just something I came up with, okay, the, the, really the top people in, in the firearms training community, generally the consensus is going to, and I absolutely agree with this, the handgun should be your go-to first checkbox for home defense. And then if you want to supplement that with a dedicated long gun, shotgun or an AR-15, okay, those are great options because they're much more powerful weapons. But those are really suitable only if you have the option of being barricaded in place. You don't want to have to be walking around using only one hand on a long gun, which really requires two hands to operate correctly. What if you have to move through your house and collect small children? or collect elderly people, et cetera. So for that situation, uh, a full-size handgun is preferable, okay? If all you have is your small concealed carry gun, again, the majority of times, home invasions, it's going to do the job. But if you want to upgrade and you have the funds and the means to do it, get a full-size service pistol, something chambered in 9mm, okay, something like police officers carry, a good uh, Glock 17, a good M&P 9mm, any of those kind of guns. That's a great home defense handgun. So my advice is if you're just getting started, go with a full-size service pistol and get a hand safe for it. Keep it in a safe. Don't be part of the problem. One of those statistics of a kid gets hold of your gun and kills themselves with it. You can get them as low as about $50 or $60. Very quickly, you can open the hand safe, yet it's perfectly secured against anybody who's going to you know, just casually try to access the handgun. Okay. When you leave the gun store with your new handgun, leave it with one of the little hand safes to store it in next to your bed or wherever you choose to put that gun in the home. So another question I got on that same, in that same vein. So keep it in a hand safe, hundred percent. Do you keep one in the chamber? Is that, I mean, how long does it take the chamber around? Is that important? Yeah. So with home defense, there's a little bit more leadway there. So I keep everything chambered, and if you want to talk in terms of carrying the gun on your person, the gun needs to be chambered. We've seen a lot of disasters that happen. Somebody's carrying the gun, but it's not chambered. That extra movement of having to run the slide and chamber the weapon has cost people their lives. So if you're carrying the gun, the gun has to be chambered. Now, in a home defense situation, you should be thinking of the other things in place. Your early warning systems. Do you have a dog in the house? And if not, and even if so, uh, an alarm system, maybe individual alarms, at least on the doors. Harden your doors so that you have time. The worst situation is if you wake up with some hoodlum standing over you. You don't want to be there, right? So we want time. Now, if other things are in place and if you're more comfortable with the gun unchambered next to your bed, then that's fine. Again, though, the hand safe, though, goes a long way in mitigating that, right? So if it's a matter of, hey, I want to keep the gun in a more secured um, way, you know, unchambered, it's a little bit more secure. God forbid a kid picks it up. If it isn't chambered, maybe he won't manage to chamber it. Don't rely on that. You need to have the gun locked up in a quick access hand safe. Rely on that. And then that should mitigate the whole discussion of do I need to keep the weapon unchambered?
do you need to hide the safe as well? And because you don't want it's a little hand safe, or do you bolt it down? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want somebody coming in and just stealing the safe. Absolutely. So they're very flexible. These little hand safes. A lot of them rely on a little Kensington type cable, the sort of thing that you might lock a, a laptop down with. Mm-hmm. So you can lock that down to a nightstand, the bedpost, whatever the case may be. My suggestion is keeping it relatively out of sight, and many of them are built so that they fit beautifully right into a dresser drawer, right right into a bedside table drawer. Mm-hmm. All you do is open that drawer very quickly, punch in that key code. A lot of them will recognize your fingerprints as well. I will say this. Most of them I've seen will misread fingerprints, and in a time of stress, maybe your hands are sweaty, God forbid, bloody, or whatever like that. Uh, if you do go with one that read fingerprints, make sure it's one that also has the backup key entry the backup uh right. finger pan entry okay but even the ones that just rely on the finger pan entry you can literally have just a three or four digit combination of those buttons that you push and very quickly you're into it that is really the only viable solution to balance both speed of acquiring the weapon and keeping the weapon safe and you know it, it will help prevent just very casual theft you can't really rely on those small saves to keep out a determined thief. If you have a lot of guns in the home, you really need to look at getting a serious gun safe. But as far as keeping your home defense handgun, go with the little safe. That's the way to go. Okay, that is fantastic advice. I think we have time for maybe one or two more questions, and then we'll have some more um, in our bonus segment coming up. I got an interesting question. Something that I guess I really hadn't thought about. Um, you know, I've obviously you know went out. I'm, I'm a gun owner. I've been to plenty of firing ranges, and I know what gunfire sounds like. But you know, maybe if you're when you're in a crowd of people, when you're at an event that you're obviously not expecting to hear gunfire, um, you know, it might be easy to mistake something as a, a car backfiring or a firecracker or something like that. Is there a way in that in these in those circumstances? a way to quickly identify that something is gunfire and not a firecracker or a car backfiring or something else like that? So if the gunfire is very far away, sometimes it can be difficult to tell that. Um, But if it's within the vicinity, here's my advice. You're going to know it. And when people say, oh, I thought it was this, I thought it was that. No, they knew it, but they have a normalcy bias that they did not want to believe it. And that's the truth. Yeah, that's a great point. That's the truth. So when you feel something is not right, it's not right. Uh, My advice to all of your listeners, if you've never read Gavin D. Becker's The Gift of Fear, read it. Okay, because the foremost way to protect yourself is have the right mindset. And part of that right mindset is if you know it's not right, it's not right. Get yourself and your loved ones out of there because it's not right. And if you're wrong, so what? What are you going to do? Have a laugh about it later on? It's better to say, hey, this is not right. Let's get out of here now than to wait around and later say, oh, well, I thought it was just fireworks. Absolutely. And I will link. I'll, I have, have not read that book, but I'll link to it on the show notes page. I'm going to buy it myself. Uh, what, what's interesting is Gavin De Becker is actually kind of anti-gun. I mean, not not like flaming leftist anti-gun, but but he has an anti-gun slant. Even so. He wrote a fantastic book, okay? But I'll, I'll throw that out there to begin with because obviously I know a lot of your listeners are ardent Second Amendment people. Mm-hmm. So I'm just throwing that out there. Regardless, it's a great book. It's worth reading. It's the single best book I've ever read about the psychology of it. 
And his argument is when you feel something is wrong, okay, we are wired through biology to know that something is wrong. And what happens modern people who no longer face threats in their daily life, we have a normalcy bias. And that bias is, hey, this has never happened to me before, so th that's not what's happening. It's just fireworks. It's just a car uh, backfiring. No. You'll know because gunfire is different. First of all, if it's anywhere close, it's going to be very loud, much louder than fireworks, firecrackers. Um, at a far distance, then it becomes kind of hard to, to tell. Uh, but you know something? If you're in the mall, why would you presume that it's just fireworks? You know, and people yeah. do that. People do that. Don't fall for the normalcy bias if it feels wrong, then it's wrong. Take action. Get yourself and your loved ones out of there. If you're by yourself and you're armed and you want to be a sheepdog and you want to go towards the gunfire, that's your call at the time. But if you're there with your loved ones, I think everyone would agree what your priority needs to be. So I just want to ask you one more question and we'll have the rest of these listener questions in the bonus segment. I want to ask you about your blog, Reflex Handgun. Um, why did you start it? What's the, the mission? Um, what's your goals mm -hmm. with that with that outlet? So that has grown out of my mission to try to educate people about the proper and safe use of firearms. The blog has been going for about a year, uh, but, but before that I was doing a lot of writing for the some of the big firearms outlets, right? This particularly the different concealed carry sites. So uh, Reflex Handgun is my own blog. And uh, people who follow it like it because it's got a lot of handgun-specific things, which as an instructor and as a shooter, that's my particular specialty, the handgun. I love long guns and all kinds of shooting, but my main thing is the handgun, particularly the concealed-carried defensive handgun. So my blog focuses on that, but there's a lot of political stuff on there as well. You know, and I do that to keep people up on political things and, you know, to, you know, political opinion pieces like the one you referenced that you read about uh, gun control being a war on women. You know, there's a lot of that kind of writing on the blog as well. Uh, Reflex Handgun, though, that blog, if you want to see my other professional articles for the big concealed carry and other firearms sites, I keep links to those on the article page. So you can always check them out as well. And where can people find the blog and anything else that you're working on? If there's anything else you want to plug or social media, feel free to uh, put that here. Uh, the blog is, is the best place because, again, I, I keep everything linked to that, even podcasts and interviews I do, et cetera. I'll, I'll run a page on the blog linking out to that. You know, when, when you air this, I'll, I'll put something up on my blog. Say, hey, check out Lines of Liberty. And certainly, even if not for this episode, you should be listening to it anyway. If you're serious about freedom, listen to Lions of Liberty. I'll be sure to be putting that up on Reflex awesome. Handgun, right? Yeah, but um, go to www.reflexhandgun, just like it sounds, just like it's spelled, you know, R-E-F-L-E-X, handgun, all one word, dot com. And uh, you can check out my writing there. And again, link out to the other, uh, not only gun articles, you know, anything political that I write in some of the different venues, I usually try to keep on top of keeping links out to those as well. So that's where you can find me. And certainly for anybody who has questions for me, I have a contact page right there. Send me any questions you have. I answer my emails. Even if it takes a week or two, I'll get to it. If you email me, I will respond. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think this is really beneficial. I mean, I know from my perspective, I got a lot out of it. So I know my listeners did too. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with the Felony Friday audience. Thank you for having me. And again, keep up the great work. You guys do fantastic work. It's uh, There's a number of libertarian podcasts, but the ones you guys are doing, I, I listen to every episode. Just great work. Keep it up. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you guys found tremendous value in today's interview with Salvatore Di Gennaro. I absolutely loved it. I loved having the opportunity to talk to an expert in firearm safety, talk to an expert in home defense. I mean, just some incredible answers, and it's great to be able to ask those questions. And I'm thankful to our Lions of Liberty forum members who reached out, asked those questions. Um, Just really great information, especially when uh, we got a, a lot of questions from our female listeners who were asking about, you know, what type of gun is best for maybe a, uh, you know, small frame female to carry. And I thought Salvatore gave some excellent answers, some uh, some excellent responses. Hopefully it helps you guys out. And if you guys want to get in on the Lions of Liberty Forum, what we're doing there, if you'd like in the future when I have on, you know, guests like Salvatore talking about different, different subjects, if you'd like to chime in and ask some questions, you can join the Lions of Liberty Forum by going to Facebook and typing Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top. It'll pop up. You got to answer one question. We just asked you, how'd you hear about us? And uh, just answer the question. You can say Felony Friday. I love the show. And you'll go right in immediately. So, guys, this actually, like I said, towards the tail end of the interview, uh, we have a bonus segment. This was not the end of our interview. We went in and we talked about in our bonus segment, which I'll tell you in a minute how you can access that bonus segment. Um, We talked about home defense, uh, strategy, uh, tactical home defense, um, things you can do ahead of time to be ready and be safe Uh, to defend your family. Just such a rich episode. So much outstanding content. And to get that bonus episode, guys, the way you're going to do that, you can sign up for the Lions of Liberty Pride. We go into lionsofliberty.com slash support. We have five different levels, guys, five different levels. At the lowest level, that's for $5. At that level, you get all of our bonus audio. We have a ton of bonus audio. I'm not even going to get into all of it. We have different Uh, spinoff shows, and we talk about everything from gambling to conspiracy theories to all kinds of stuff, just just rants against uh, the current political state. So there's something for everybody in our bonus content. And we have, like we have today, extra time with guests, extra time where our listeners, our Lions of Liberty Pride members, a lot of times, can ask questions specifically to these guests, and they get their answers. So you can join at $5, or if you want to step up your game, you join at 10 15 25 or 100 And I'm not going to talk about every level. That's all spelled out at lionsofliberty.com slash support. But I will say the $15 level, I feel that is a tremendous value. And at that level, you get a you sign for 15 and you'll get a t-shirt, you'll get a koozie, you'll get obviously all the bonus content. You get access to our private Lions Pride Facebook group, and you get weekly Newslink emails. So what this is, is Monday through Friday, you're going to get an email from the Lions of Liberty, and it's going to be an email with Newslinks, curated by our chief intelligence officer, uh, Howie Snowden, 
pulls up an incredible amount of news. And I help Howie go through it and split it up into categories. We split it up into liberty, foreign policy, politics, culture, mainstream media, um, cryptocurrency. I'm forgetting categories, as I always do. But it's great. And I honestly don't think there's anything out there offered like this. And just for $15 a month, you get access to that. So think about it, guys. Lionsofliberty.com slash support. We appreciate your support. And of course, longtime listeners of this show know that our goal is to grow this show. Our goal is to start to travel the country and to uh, and to reach out. So we're hoping to go to Porkfest up in New Hampshire, which is in June, which should be fantastic. In order to get there, we need to get to our $1,000 per month level. Right now, we're like at 900 and... I don't know, 950, something like that. So we need a couple more listeners to step up, get us to 1,000. A few more of those $15 uh, pride levels will get us there pretty quick. So we appreciate your support, guys. We couldn't do it without you. We wouldn't do it without you because it'd be stupid to be talking into a microphone with nobody listening. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys got tremendous value from today's show. Um, And let me know if you want to hear more shows like this. Let me know what you want to hear. Reach out to me. Send me an email, felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com. That's all I got for today, guys. Enjoy your Friday. Thank you so much for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. Burning.